Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You need to know what's happening. It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Brian Baldinger. Back for another edition of In the Huddle. I'm Carl Dukes. Put them up along with my man Brian Baldinger and Jason Lacanfor is a part of this podcast as well. Guys, we're here. We're here. It's Super Bowl. Ten days from now, Super Bowl. We're counting down, and I can't wait. I think we're going to get a great game. Eagles, Chiefs, I don't think anybody could argue, Baldy, that we got the two best teams that are remaining. But before we get into what we saw last week, there have been some coaching hires in the NFL. The big news across the planet yesterday was Tom Brady making the announcement that he is retiring for good. It was his words. It Mm -hmm. came directly from his mouth. He put out the video. And, Baldy, listen, I don't think we're ever going to see this again. No. I don't think we're going to see a guy play for 23 years, win seven Super Bowls, five Super Bowl MVPs, have all of the records, and be as good as Brady was for as long as he was. Yeah, I'm just wondering what you were thinking when you saw it, and then where are you at as we start to reflect about this amazing career of Tom Brady? Well, when I saw it, you know, I mean, obviously it was, you know, the biggest news flash yesterday, which was uh, Wednesday. We're taking this on Thursday for everybody listening. But I, I I knew as soon as I saw it, it's real. Like this isn't, okay, I'll be back in June, you know, highest bidder. Like yeah. this is it. And I think for a couple reasons. One, if you remember last year's retirement, it was kind of a botched thing. It, it didn't come from him. It came through sources. Then it leaked. Then he had to sort of like own up to it. Yeah. And like, I, I don't think that's the way he wanted to do it. Um, and so when I, when we saw it yesterday, it was just him and a camera, you know, no glitz, you know, no, uh, no graphics, just him. And I really feel part of when you are at that level, when you are the goat and all those kind of things, like when you, when you look in the mirror and you know, your performance is slipping, you, you don't have to be that you don't want to be told by somebody else. That last performance of his against Dallas in the playoff game was a bad performance, Carl. We've never, in fact, you know, they put it up on the screen. Like that was his first red zone interception in like forever. And he was trying to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone. And he got intercepted. And it was just an ugly throw, ugly play. If that was a, a rookie, we'd go, oh, that's a rookie mistake. You got to learn. But it wasn't. It was Tom Brady making a mistake. And then, you know, if you go back earlier this year against Cincinnati, he was terrible you know, in the third quarter. It was just one turnover after another. It's just the stuff that you never see from him. And I feel like that's – nobody wants to stay too long at the party, Carl. Like, you know, nobody – and I, I feel like that's 
what this was all about yesterday. Like the party has been great. You know, forget about beating Father Time and all those other cliches out there. Like he's looking in the mirror going, I'm not the same guy mm. that I was. Even, you know, down 28-3 to the Falcons, I could bring us back. Like I don't think he thinks he's that guy. I don't think if he went to the right situation with the, all the right players that he could be that guy. And I think he's just – he owned up to it yesterday, and we're not going to see any look back going – um, I can still do this or anything like that, whether it's Fox or wherever he decides to go. He's going to have plenty of offers. Um, I think it was firm, and I think he did it the right way. I do too. Baldy, I shared this story, and I'm curious to know if you have a story along the way over the years. Um, the closest I've ever been to Brady, I'm going back to 02, 03. It was after the second Super Bowl they won. Yeah. And there's a uh, a memorabilia company. Um that was called TriStar Productions. And, and I used to help those guys out and, you know, do yeah. some stuff at their shows and uh, their big signing company. And they had Brady's um, exclusive deal for, for memorabilia at the time. And okay. I'm not sure if they still do, but part of the deal was in the summer when the season was over, they'd go to different guys where they lived and they'd have them sign. And so at the time, again, Brady's early in his career, and I told this story on my show here in Atlanta, and and I'll probably tell it this weekend on, on our national show. But it was the first time where, you know, I got a chance to actually be around him because the guys were like, hey, we're going to go up. Brady's going to sign a bunch of stuff for us. Yeah. You want to come hang out? You want to get a chance to meet him? I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Now, you have to think about it and put it in this perspective, guys. It's the second Super Bowl. Nobody knows he's going to win five more. Right. Sure. Okay. So if you're Brady, you're signing all this stuff going, hey, yeah, you know, if I ever get back. Maybe not, but if I don't, hey, I'm a two-time Super Bowl champion. I've won multiples. I'm good. Yeah. So the idea of what we now know about his career and doing, you know, during that period was completely different. So we go up, and this just speaks to the obsession of winning. And I saw this firsthand, and I didn't know it would last as long as it would, Baldy. Right. So we get there, super cool. You know, it's 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 not a big deal. We're just chopping it up about different things. There's no Giselle at that time, okay? Right. I mean, all the all the things you think about now. And so he signs all these balls, and he's signing stuff, and we're just talking, and he seems like a really cool dude. And, again, I'm around him for hours at that point, maybe just a few hours. But I literally remember saying, so what are you going to do, you know, this offseason? Because at that point, I was talking to a lot of younger guys in the league who were like, oh, I'm going to Cancun, and I'm going to go here, yeah, and sure. I'm going to – you know, and they're partying yeah. and having a good time. And Brady says, I'll take a week off, and I'll get back to work. After two Super Bowls, yeah, a week off, and yeah. I was like, it didn't hit me then, Baldy, but I remember yeah. it so vividly. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, that's all you're gonna do. Like, you know, you're not going over. And we later found out when he got suspended for Deflate Gate, him and Giselle went overseas for those four games that he was suspended, and that was like their honeymoon, right? He yeah. he, he talked about it on you know um, his documentary. And my point is, guys, his work ethic, his obsession for winning. It's unbelievable. It's yeah. off the charts. So here was a guy completely dedicated. And Baldy, you know, he changed his body. I mean, that TB12 stuff, he went from a guy that was kind of chubby and, you know, yeah. wasn't completely cut to like, I'm going to be in shape every year and yeah. I'm going to be ready. So I share that just to say that was his mindset. And that was his mindset 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we all have stories. I remember uh, talking to Ryan Jensen. Uh, two years ago, and it was during a pandemic, you know, when he signed. And so there wasn't any formal workouts. They were going meeting at high school fields and, you know, and, and putting workouts together. And he's getting to know the guys and all that kind of stuff. 
And so Ryan Jensen, he's the center. So, you know, Brady, you know, they, they knew each other, but, you know, not like teammates. And so literally they'd meet at these high school fields every day. And every day Brady would literally give almost a 30-minute dissertation on the ball and snapping the ball, wet ball, goal line, uh, where the towel has to be, you know, on Ryan's uh, backside. Like it was just – Ryan just thought, like, I'm just snapping the ball, but not to Brady. Like it was, okay, down the goal line when you got to step hard right, this is what I – this is how I ride you. Like it was like literally when you talk about the details, mm. the details are what separated him. And it always is, you know, the, the great ones, Michael Jordan. I mean, you put that you know level of company up there. It always comes down. Kobe just put, put together the group. Like it's in the details and in the work ethic and what you described as the obsession of winning. And that's what separates, you know, the good from the great, and then to do it over the period of time that he did it, it's really remarkable. And I, I'm with you, Carl. I don't think we'll see anything like that ever again. Ten Super Bowls? Ten. Guys, Patrick Mahomes just played in his fifth AFC championship game. He's got one. I mean, you know, it's he's he was seven and three in Super Bowls. I mean, this is it's yeah. it's unreal. And and listen, I was a Montana guy and still am, just because yeah. that's the guy that shaped me watching football and going, he's unbelievable. He doesn't lose. He's so clutch. And then comes along Brady. And, yeah. I, you know, for me, listen, Montana was still special. 4-0 in Super Bowls, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions in the playoffs. But you got to give Brady his due. All right, Baldy, we got to shift gears, man. It's uh, in the huddle, guys. Like us, subscribe. We put out new episodes on Tuesday and Thursdays as we count down to the Super Bowl. Next week, we will dive in to the, 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 the minutia of what kind of matchups are going to be key in this game. We'll get into all of that. But we want to talk about what the Eagles were able to do to the 49ers. And, and I thought this was a dominant performance. I know they were without Brock Purdy, but it was almost like, you know, Shanahan was playing with one arm, right? Once Purdy went down, you, you just couldn't do anything. And the Eagles were like, oh, they pinned their ears back, and Baldy, they started coming. Well, they did. And, um, you know, there's a play in the game, Carl, um, where the Eagles the Eagles play largely a five-man defensive front. And I, I didn't think San Francisco handled it well, even for the six plays that Brock Purdy was in there. But on one of the plays, the five guys that were on the field, uh, Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, and Josh Sweat, they have combined this year, Carl, for 64 sacks, those five guys. So we saw what Hassan Red did. You know, like you could put Tyler Croft, the tight end, on a bootleg and try to keep him away. But, you know, Brock Purdy held that ball probably a half a second too long. But that's all it took for Hassan to get there and to put that hit on him. And I thought there was a, you know, on the opening drive of the game, I know, I know Kyle came out and said, I, I thought about challenging the fourth and three throw to Devontae Smith that got him inside the 10 yard line, but I, I just, we didn't get enough angles. And, but I watched the play and I'm watching Devontae Smith do this as soon as he got up and he's, and he knew that it, he trapped the ball. Everybody's got a signal. And I just thought the reaction of Devontae getting up as soon as he saw uh, the, the field judge signal that it was a catch, like he, he just started running, like they had it all in place, Philadelphia. Now you got a signal. We're going fast. We're going to beat the challenge. And I thought, boy, if if Kyle challenges that, they're going to win the challenge. Right. 
The Eagles aren't going to score in their opening drive. And the 49ers getting the ball 0-0 at their 35. And maybe Brock Purdy never gets hit the way he did. You know, maybe it's a totally different game. I mean, you can say what if, you know. A lot but, that's of- a, but that's a big moment. It's a big moment. It is. And, you know, Kyle can say, well, he was early in the game and didn't want to lose timeout. All those things are, are valid. Except the reaction said, throw the flag. To throw the flag. It's the opening drive. They're going to be inside the 10. Maybe they score a touchdown, down 7 nothing in, in, in front of all these crazy fans. Like, I, you know, I, I don't want to play Monday morning quarterback with Kyle, but, like, you have to see these things. You just yeah. do. You can't – I remember Mike Holmgren when he won his Super Bowl with Green Bay down in New Orleans. His big thing was you can't let anything slip through the cracks. You know, and I felt like that slipped through the cracks right there, Carl. Like, yeah. that moment, like – you know, you, you could be the play caller, you could be the head coach, you do all these things, but in that moment, you got to see Devontae getting up off the ground and what he's doing. I agree. I, I thought it was it's it's one of those moments that people will just say, well, the Eagles just dominated, but it could have turned the game yeah. one way or the other. It's a huge moment, and I'm glad you pointed it out because I don't think we can dismiss that. And let me say this. Listen, I love Kyle Shanahan. He's a hell of a coach. But he's been in these big games, and there have been moments like this where we can now start to say, okay, Kyle, you know, we can even go back to Super Bowl 51, you know, Dan Quinn, and and, and say, hey, we're running the football here, and we're going to kick a field goal, and and maybe it's the ball game. Yeah. But but you look at the history, and you start to say these moments that stand out that had to do with a decision like what you're talking about or how I can, you know, move the game or change the game in a way that, that keeps it in our favor. Baldy, I want to ask you about Jalen Hurts while we're talking about the Eagles. I call him a smooth, soft-spoken assassin. Yeah, that's what I think he is. Right? Mm-hmm. You talk to him, and he's always like right here. He's just, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. He's, he's been working out. Never man. about himself. Always about the team. And yeah, <sighs> damn, he's good though. Yeah, he's really good. And you know what? It's uh, it's interesting. Like I, I post something. You know, back in the draft three years ago, the Eagles had the fifty-third pick, and I, I was a proponent of drafting with the fifty. I didn't know that you know Carson Wentz was gonna. Sure. All, I mean, I wasn't predicting any of that, but I, I felt the 53rd pick, this is a guy that you want on your roster. You know, like he didn't run from Alabama when he got benched and helped him win a SEC championship the following year and improved with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. All these things. I just thought, like, this could be a bigger, stronger Russell Wilson. Mm. And that's kind of what he looks like right now. He looks like a bigger, stronger Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson in, in you know, his heyday. Um, well, well, maybe he gets back. I don't know. But, you know, and so – just being around him a little bit, he's just an unusual guy from the standpoint that um, he's so mature at such an early age. And but what happens when you're overly mature, and one of the reasons why you are mature is you're just a great decision maker. And I feel like in his personal life, on the field, he's a great decision maker. You can't get him to make bad decisions, Carl. That's what defense's job, that's what Kansas City's job is. That's what Spags's job is. That's what yeah. San Francisco's job was. To get him to turn it over to make a bad decision. He didn't make a bad decision. He didn't really say, okay, missed a couple of throws. All right, everybody does. But, like, he didn't make a bad decision in the game. He didn't put the ball on the ground. He didn't throw the ball up for grabs. Like, he, you know, he made good decisions in that game. And he's, like, everything goes through him, whether it's the RPO, whether it's, you know um, – whether it's a run-pass option type situation, whatever it might be, his decision-making is really, really good. He's lost one game this year as a starter. Um, you know, you can't get him to make bad decisions, Carl. That's what separates him right now. 
It is. Um, and again, is he the MVP if he doesn't get hurt? Maybe. But my choice. I agree. I just thought with what he was doing during this season, it was one of the most dominant seasons I've seen. I mean, the rushing touchdowns included, and that well, that's a whole nother element. Touchdowns. I mean, you, you could say, okay, well, Patrick Mahomes threw 40-something touchdown passes. Okay. The, he threw 200 more passes. You know, they're a passing team. The Eagles are a running team. But, you know, you set a record for rushing 15. Any running back would take would love to have 15 touchdowns on their resume. Zeke would love to have 15. Yes. You know, like you give me a running back. Derrick Henry would like to have 15 rushing touchdowns on his resume. This is a quarterback that is also throwing, you know, for 20-plus touchdowns. Like, it's just a remarkable, remarkable feat that he's doing. All right, so the Chiefs win. Um, you know, we could definitely talk about, you know, what happened with Cincinnati, their inability to block. I mean, it showed up, right, in this game, Baldy. It didn't show up against the Bills, but this is what you do. I mean, you break this stuff down all the time. Where was the breakdown? What did Spags do against them? And I'm curious to know if you think it will be a similar type game plan as to how they attack the Eagles. Well, the thing that was amazing, so they lose, the Chiefs lose their best corner on the fourth play of the game, Legereus Sneed. All right, you know, I don't know whether it was concussion or, you know, just jammed his neck. I don't exactly remember. But he, he, so their best corner goes, and he's lined up on, uh, you know, Jamar Chase on the play. And he goes in there to make a tackle. And he's out of the game. So they replace him with the rookie, Joshua Williams. So that was in, in addition to Jalen Watson, a rookie, Trent McDuffie, a rookie, Brian Cook. A rookie. They played four rookies. Now, this is Joe Burrow. That's and right. we all thought going into the game, maybe this is the gold standard of quarterbacks. And when you combine it with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, maybe this trio is as good as there is in business right now. And it would be hard to argue with that. And there's all these rookies on the field. And Watson gets an interception, you know, and Williams gets an interception. And I go, Spags is playing four rookies in a secondary, in addition to Carl Loftus, Leo Chanel. They're playing six rookies on defense, Carl. It's crazy. Now, they have one star player in Chris Jones, one. But you've got four rookies out there. I, my game plan was, man, I'm going after Watson. I'm going after Trent McDuffie. I'm going to wear these rookies out. Well, they couldn't do it. That's humble credit to Spash, to Andy Reid, to the staff, to, you know, the whole scouting thing, that you got these rookies on the field against Joe Burrow and these receivers, and they're holding up, not just holding up, but they're taking a ball away. It, it's a great point, Baldy. I don't think people realize the Chiefs draft class. Nine of the ten draft picks, nine of the ten played significant time this year, and yes. then you just broke down what they did in the championship game. The major contributors, we're not talking about a few snaps. No. These guys were they were counted on to get the job done. So I only point that out to say you hit in the draft. You know, we talked about you can talk about Mahomes and Kelsey and all that. You hit in the draft because you've had major contributions from a rookie class from multiple guys. As you move forward, Mahomes is going to only get better. Yeah. Kelsey's not going anywhere. You hope to get better wide receivers, but these guys are going to be major contributors. Yeah. Uh, contributors. But if you look you know, on the other side of the ball now, Isaiah Pacheco is their starting running back. He's solid, look by the at, way. Look at the punt return of Sky Moore with 40 seconds to go in the game, 29 yards to get them in a position to run for a first down and get knocked out of bounds being field goal range. I mean, their rookie class is unbelievable. It but is. you can say the same thing, you know, the year before the Rams win, 
And, you know, you're looking at, okay, Cooper Cup was a mid-round pick, and Nick Scott is their starting safety, and he's the seventh-round pick out of Penn State. Like, the trend is, and, you know, and we got the Senior Bowl going on this weekend, Carl, and all these, you know, East-West Shrine, all these games have been going on. I announced the Hula Bowl a couple weeks ago. Like, you need to fortify your roster with rookies that can contribute, not waiting two years. Sometimes you have to wait two on a certain guy. But, I mean, they're getting – I mean, those Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, like Trent McDuffie, they play practically every snap in that game. You know, it's not like they're going in there on the nickel and they're giving you 15 snaps. They're out there every play <laughs> and they're holding up against these guys. And, and the ball's not going over their head. So, um, I, you know, at one point, Spags dropped eight and he literally had three double teams on the Bengal receivers. And then the last double team was a bracket with Brian Cook and, and Joshua Williams. And that's the one that that uh, Cook tipped up and Williams intercepted, you know, on T Higgins. Like it's, it's hard to, to execute three double teams on a play. And they did that with largely rookies. So not only do they draft well, but they've coached them up well. And now they're, they're really contributing. So Baldy, if you are Spags, you got a lot of time here. You know, the Eagles run the the football like crazy, right? And and they're not going to go away from their identity. They're going to still attempt to run it, but, do, do you attempt to stack the box if you're if you're Kansas City and say, I want to see Jalen Hurts beat us over the top? Now, I, I know he's capable <laughs> with those wide receivers, but you got to take something away. And if you're Kansas City, you can't allow the Eagles, right, to just run it down our throats because then it's just going to open up everything else. I'm just thinking about if I'm Spags, what do I want to take away? Like, what's the biggest thing we've got to at least slow down? And then I'm thinking, all right, Jalen Hurts is going to have to win this Super Bowl, right? Am I am I thinking right? Well, it's interesting. There's a play in the game against San Francisco, and they're in the they're in the red zone. They're like at the eight yard line or something of San Francisco's, and the call for from D'Amico Ryan's and the 49ers is don't rush a four man line, and literally they just stand there. Mm-hmm. And this is Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, like guys that hunt quarterbacks for a living. <laughs> like literally, they just stayed there at the line of scrimmage. And they just challenged Jalen to run. And then the longer he held it, the the more they, they covered the receivers. The receivers just kind of broke down. He ended up throwing the ball into the dirt. So, he so, so they're down. not getting up field. They didn't even try. Okay. They would try to – like nobody even – they just stayed there, and they were just waiting for Jalen to break the pocket and take off. And then they, but he just stayed there. He was as patient as they were. And I think Spag's going to look at that play and going, that might be a pretty good changeup. Maybe, you know, showing Max look, dropping eight, that might be a good look with maybe two spies. I mean, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton can, um, you know, they can run as well as any linebackers. You know, they, they you got to have somebody that's as fast as Jalen if you're going to spy him. I, mean, I, I think that you're going to get a lot of change-ups. I can see Spags going to a four-man defensive line in the first quarter, three-man defensive line in the second quarter. I can see them changing up quarter to quarter, have completely different game plans for the first half, second half. Like, I don't think it's just one game plan that Spags is going to have. He When he does blitz, like he does a lot of late stemming. So you'll see, for example, like an Eagles, Isaac Sayamalo is the right guard for the Eagles. And when Jalen's in shotgun, he's the one that's looking back at the quarterback going, okay, you're ready. He'll tap Kelsey to center. And then Kelsey will give a silent count or, you know, uh, they all have their, their counts. But Spags will look at all that and then, then he'll do a late stem. Like they got Willie Gay on a sack, and he was really late going from the inside linebacker to lining up and then blitzing off the edge, and he came free and he hit Joe Burrow. 
Like I can see Spags doing a lot of that kind of stuff, late stemming, a lot of a lot of looks, um, trying to keep um, them confused as long as possible about what they're doing. All right, uh, and again, guys, it's in the huddle. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes, Jason Lock on four, part of this podcast as well. We appreciate you guys being here. We talk all things football, all things. All right, and we're going to talk about some of these coaching hires in just a second. And again, we'll break down the Super Bowl in detail much more next week but we're just kind of getting a feel as to what these guys are game planning for and what they're looking at one other thing i want to ask you about nobody's done it every time i'm watching kansas city he's freaking open and that's kelsey i mean i I don't know what he does i don't know how it happens baldy it's like is anybody covering this dude every time i look he's open so what do you do with Kelsey? are they going to have to double team kelsey in this game well, you can try. I mean, they, he moves every play, so it's hard to double-team him every play. But even in his touchdown catch last week against Cincinnati, Carl, like, I don't really even know what the play was. He had three receivers, almost <laughs> had three receivers to the right. Kelsey was one of the three receivers. And they're just running just a roll-right protection. So they got two tight ends, and they're just sliding the protection, and Mahomes is just kind of rolling out. And honestly, it's not even a route that Kelsey runs. He runs into the end zone. Somehow the Bengals – are kind of late picking him up. Jesse Bates ends up picking him up. And, and Mahomes just sees that there's just Jesse Bates and, and Kelsey in the end zone. And, you know, Bates is kind of close to him. And then Mahomes just throws it away from him like Kelsey go get it. Like it was just that easy. But I don't even know if it was a play. Mm. Because a lot of the times, if so what happens is if you play Kansas City man-to-man and Mahomes sees you turning your backs and running with the receivers, Man, that just gives the Mahomes the green light, take off and run. Right. So most teams try to play Kansas City in, in a zone look, which is smart. And all Kelsey does when he comes off the line of scrimmage, he's like, okay, where's the soft spot in the zone? Where's everybody dropping? Where, where are they expanding to? And I'll just go to the, the most vacant area, and I'll just kind of turn around. I'll wait on the ball. And if Mahomes is looking someplace else, I'll move. And when I move, I know Mahomes is going to move. And I swear – He's caught 21 passes now in these two postseason games against Jacksonville last week in Cincinnati. Over half of them, 11 of them now, are for first downs or touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and those plays, a lot of them aren't even designed plays, Carl. They're just like Kelsey just kind of finding the dead spot, the open spot, and just kind of settling. And he's really good after the catch. Like he, he kind of knows where to turn, which way the, the, the pressure is coming at him or the tackle is coming at him. He goes the other way. Um, you know, he's still big and fast and he's got a great first step and he gets yards after the catch. Yeah, it's it's impressive. Dude is really talented. He's one of the best we've seen to do it. And uh, I'm curious to see how that matchup is going to play out. We'll dive more into that next week. Before- 